Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello, I'm Liz Loza and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast presented by Planters. Satisfying your snack cravings for over 100 years. Uh, Andy, who is with me here today. Andy, do you know what satisfied me today, by chance? I do not know. What satisfied you today? Well, if you weren't aware, this week was the first official, this week saw the first official day of fall. So it is officially no longer gauche for me to completely indulge in pumpkin spice season, baby. We can do it without being judged. Get your candles, get your sprinkles, get anything you need and just envelop yourself in the pumpkin spice until, you know, like until it's like cider season, basically. Wow. So you're a you're just a full uh, sensory pumpkin spice experience sort of person, not just taste. You want you want like the aroma of pumpkin around you. I mean, I I don't I can't believe you're surprised by this. (laughs) I find it a little alarming. Maybe it's I mean, maybe it's novel in uh, in L.A. Maybe it's not a thing that you happen upon in California as often as you happen upon it in the Midwest. That's true. But very good. I will say this pumpkin pie is trash, but we can get into some food <laughs> takes a little bit later. Of <laughs> What's course, not a coastal elite like Liz Loza would hate pumpkin pie, of course. I do. My bad. But give me all the mac and cheese, please. Um, <laughs> all right. Andy, um, what's not trash is your analysis, your analysis, by the way. So we're going to go through every single game and talk about one or more than one big things uh, that we're both looking for in each game. And we're going to start with the barn burner, what is sure to be a high flying affair between the San Francisco 49ers and the New York <laughs> Giants. My goodness, what a way to start. The turf is so nice. San Francisco had to play on it twice. That was courtesy of Brett. (laughs) All right, so here's what we got for San Francisco. We've got no Jimmy G, no Raheem Mostert, no Tevin Coleman. On the other side of things for the Giants, we have a no Saquon Barkley and no Sterling Shepard. So find something to talk about. Yeah, right. This is almost entirely about who's not playing and not really about who is playing. Um, George George Kittle's like a maybe. They don't want to. Mm-hmm. They they're they're not sure if they want to risk him on what is apparently the worst turf in the NFL. Uh, although it's been approved repeatedly by everyone who approves such things. A um, lot of absences on the defensive side, obviously, for San Francisco, including all of their best pass rushers like I've dropped their defense I don't know I had them in a couple of places I dropped the defense because there are no playmakers left right um 
well, that's not entirely true, but but some of the key playmakers are gone. Richard Sherman is dinged. Like, it's bad. It's a bad situation on their side. Um, whatever you thought about the Niners coming into the season, you have to kind of unlearn that right now. Uh, we have like a battle of waiver wire heroes from week two, right? It's uh, it's Dion Lewis on one side and it's the combination of probably Jeff Wilson and Jarek McKinnon on the other. McKinnon has been a super fun story, um, like maybe the feel good story of the year, right? Missed uh, missed seasons with uh, his, his ACL injury and he's and he's scored in the first two weeks and looks great doing it. I'm I would be curious what you think about this backfield, because I just I don't I don't know how to plot it out. I don't know if they really want to give McKinnon like 20 touches or if they think Jeff Wilson is going to be up for 15 and McKinnon can stay in sort of a rotational role. Well, that's the interesting thing. When you took when you look at McKinnon, you mentioned that he has been out for seasons. The last time he carried the ball more than 15 times was the first half of the 2017 season when he was still <laughs> with the Minnesota Vikings. Right. And we've already yeah. seen Kyle Shanahan install his own form of load management with his running backs. So I don't think that McKinnon is going to see more than 14 at a maximum of carries. Uh, He certainly will be used through the passing game. Jeff Wilson has proven himself already scored four touchdowns in the two weeks that he was uh, replacing basically or, or earning a larger role in replacement of Tevin Coleman. Not that they are similar players at all, but at the top of 2019. Um, interestingly, my, I love Jeff Wilson because this is a guy who even in college at North Texas like proved that he owns the goal line. And when he was asked about his playing style, he just said, I like to get downhill. I don't really do a lot of dancing. I mean, I can do some other stuff, but I don't like to waste time. I just, I just get downhill. And it was the <laughs> perfect explanation for his playing style. I think that you're going to see, I mean, spoiler alert, Jeff Wilson's on my sleepers list. He's on my fantasy damage list. It will not surprise me at all if he scores. And you're going to see McKinnon do um, a lot of the work between early downs and goal line. Yeah, that, that feels right to me because um, the Niners have obviously liked Jeff Wilson in prior seasons uh, in goal to go situations. So that's totally believable. And McKinnon between the 20s could be really fun, right? If McKinnon catches five, six balls, which is totally in play for him in this mm-hmm. game because they've been thrown to the running back a lot, um, that that would be fun. That's that's basically, I think, what you're what you're paying up for. Quick note on Devonta Freeman, because I'm sure like you, I've been getting a lot of questions as to whether or not I know people who scooped him on the waiver wire because he is now in play in New York. I believe he still has to pass some COVID tests to make it officially official. So I don't think he will play this Sunday, but moving forward, he will be the play. And right now, New York yeah. will have to deal with a combination of Lewis and Gallman. Um, I also think that Darius Slayton is in an interesting spot here, right? He is... The teams, I would say, even ahead of Evan Ingram, most reliable touchdown option. And if Sterling Shepard isn't available, then really he's the playmaker that Daniel Jones has to work with. And when you mention Richard Sherman being dinged and Witherspoon not being healthy, the cornerback situation seems ripe enough for Slayton to to produce. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And he's something we talked a little bit about on Fantasy Football Live last Sunday. Every time anything breaks down for Daniel Jones, uh, it feels like he's looking for Slayton, too, which is really fun because things will occasionally break down for Daniel Jones. Uh, The Washington football team, spoiler alert, broke down in week two after (laughs) an upset in week one. Um, And they are traveling to Cleveland, a team that did not break down in week two. So let's talk about this matchup. Obviously, Terry McLaurin remains a stud. I think he finds the end zone again in 
Week two, I have him forecasted for over 90 yards, but the Browns to me are more interesting. There's more questions here. Um, Nick Chubb looked good last week, but the Washington football team has posed a stiff uh, run defense and, and they're not letting much get through. Plus, Kareem Hunt obviously does seem to be like the red zone option, especially through the passing game. But I'm most interested in OBJ because over the summer, I know you believed in his rebound campaign quite a bit, and I have some exposure to him. How do you think he fares in this one? Do you think he's able to build on what he started to make happen in week two? Yeah, I mean, the thing we're going to like about Beckham and the thing we'll like about Landry throughout the season is that they're, it, it's a pretty narrow uh, uh, usage tree. And we, we've talked about that before. But Beckham is seeing plenty of targets. It was, it was actually it was only six last week, but he had the big splash play, had the touchdown. Um, I think volume is consistently going to be there for him. And it, the game situation obviously played into that, too. They weren't uh, they, they weren't trying to go pass for pass with uh, with Joe Burrow in a fun game. Like, man, a yeah. separate issue. But I really hope that Cincinnati's defense is like the get right defense for other teams this year. That's going to be that's going to be a lot of fun for Burrow. It's going to be a lot of fun for, you know, that Philly who plays him this week. Anyway, uh, I don't feel that bad about Beckham. I feel like he's always in store for volume. We're going to get that here. Um, he's more likely, in my view, to find the end zone than uh, than Landry. And then there's then there's not much else. I mean, they're throwing to the running backs. They're obviously throwing a hunt. That's a that's a mess. Um, the other side of this game is is pretty fun to me because they gave Antonio Gibson a lot of snaps, like after having a a, a sort of minor cameo role uh, in week one. He got he got like two thirds of the snaps in week two. And, and you got to figure it's going to be like that going forward. Yeah, we, we have to see what the volume is again. Cleveland, though, a pretty a pretty good opponent against the run. So both of these I, I, li- I want to see, too, if Baker Mayfield can stay settled facing Chase Young. To yeah. me, that's going to be a big test, right? Because the D line in Washington seems to be a real it was full of potential and we knew that, but it seems to be a real um, strong point of the whole team. And so I, I want to see if, if Baker can stay calm and keep it rolling. But we agree. You talked a little bit earlier about how Cincinnati's defense can be a get right situation for opposing teams. Well, nobody needs to get right. It feels like more than Carson Wentz and the Eagles right now. And they've got Cincy at home. Yeah, I I fully agree. It's a it's a blow up spot for him. Like we really have. I mean, I feel exactly about the Eagles as I did uh, about the Browns a week before. Like they they need to get right in a big way against this defense. And if they don't, we have real problems because we have a lot of I I think we all have some exposure to elements of the Eagles offense. Right. Um, I I have I feel like I have Wentz in like every super flex format. Um, I have a fair amount of Miles Sanders, who obviously looked really good last week. But we we need we need Wentz to get rolling if he's going to be able to support Djax, if he's going to be able to support, you know, Ertz and Goddard as like a as a two headed tight end thing that's happening because um, he's been really shaky. Um, and it, like you hate to say that a, a player like his age with his experience has regressed in some way, but it looks that way. He just has to he just has to have a big outing against Cincinnati. It's a it's an incredibly favorable matchup because so far Cincinnati is just giving you whatever you need if you need, you know. If you need five yards per carry, they'll give you that. If you need eight yards per pass attempt, they'll give you that. Like they're just they've just been a super generous defense that hasn't stopped anything and hasn't really put a lot of heat on quarterbacks. So like this is a spot for Carson Wentz. And if he can't be a top 10 quarterback this week, I don't know when it's going to happen. So you do have him ranked inside your top 10 or 12 at least. Yep. I I mean, I'm still at a point where I'm I'm leaning on, you know, these are these are like tough weeks if you're if you're a fantasy ranker. Right. Because you have to balance 
you know, ev- all the all the statistics related to, you know, opponent performance against this or that is so skewed by by the quality of the offenses that they faced and the quality of opponents that they faced. So it's really hard to take too much stock in like this year's statistics yet. So I, you know, I've still got my opinion about Cincinnati's defense and the potential of Philly's offense, and this should be a blow up spot. So I haven't, you know, I haven't. You are the bravest. It should be mentioned (laughs) that you are the bravest among the Yahoo rankers. The rest of us have once around like 14 ish, not Andy. He got him at number eight. So there there you have it. But your, your analysis is coaching. The rest of us are just not brave enough to do it. Who are you bumping out? But I do, I do want to talk about Cincinnati a little bit because AJ Green, when you're talking about volume and we say in fantasy all the time, that volume is king, right? And you see, you see him get the volume over the past two weeks. I believe he's, He's uh, garnered as many looks as like Calvin Ridley in that neighborhood. And yet the stat lines do not match up. You cannot look at the way he is playing and not say that he is out of sync. And I just and this week he's going to get Darius Slay. And I just don't see that working out in week three. But I do think that it would it behooves anybody who was willing to invest in in Tyler Boyd. Oh, yeah, absolutely agree. Um, AJ Green has 22 targets through two games and a catch rate of 36%. (laughs) Like, and they're not, they're not drops exactly, but there have been many balls that Burrow has like put on a hand, you know, that you would expect an elite 10 target a game wide receiver to pull in. Well, this is the best jump ball specialist in the game, right? Like yeah. that's that's the moniker. And so this should yep. be where Burrow is allowed to be a little less uh, pinpoint with his accuracy. So, I mean, there's a part of the reason that you thought one would drag the other. So it is frustrating, but I do think Boyd, you know, I don't know if he finds the end zone every week. I don't think he finds it this week necessarily, but six catches, 75 yards, that I can imagine in this scenario. Yeah, uh, I, I like Boyd. Um, I think we're going to like Boyd for the full season. Uh, we saw a little bit out of, uh, not that you'd start him in a non-bye week, but we saw a little bit out of out of T. Higgins in week two, kind of in a, in a rotation. He made a little bit of noise down the stretch. Uh, Drew Sample caught a lot, you know, people are looking for tight end streamers. Drew Sample caught a easy, lot of balls. Easy, buddy. We're getting to the end of the show here. <laughs> just, just hold your hot Drew Sample take. Until our nutty predictions, friend. Okay, okay, okay. I'll pull it back. Right. I'll pull it back. Yay, Drew Sample. That's it's called a tease in this business. We're going to make sure you <laughs> listen all the way to the end. Um, but let us talk about uh, Las Vegas at New England. I, I mean, neither of these teams have been a tease. They've been a straight-up surprise. Derek Carr is in love with Darren Waller. Darren Waller just manhandled P.J. Williams on Monday night. He's had 24 targets. Josh Jacobs with not... Remember heading into the season, Josh Jacobs won't catch the ball. He's second in team targets. You know, far behind Waller, like I said, who has 24, but with nine looks. I love a lot of this. And even if Brian Edwards isn't producing from a fantasy standpoint, he is making key plays in clutch moments. And I appreciate that. I am... I am excited by these like Las Vegas Raiders. I can't believe it, but I I think what they're doing is really, really fun. And they're trying to hang with the other teams in their division. Yeah, I I like that you put it that way. Like I enjoy when John Gruden is in the league. Like I, I, I still think he's a I still think he's a capable coach. Um he had some great like he had some great offenses back in the day. Like Gruden's fun. The the game is more fun when the when the Raiders are good and when Gruden has like a platform. I don't know. 
it's been a pretty fun mix. A little bit of worry with both Waller and Jacobs from a health perspective. We we saw Jacobs battling some sort of injury uh, in week two. I think it was a hip. Um, they were stretching him out on the sidelines. He kept coming back in, had a million touches. That was good to see. Um, but they've held him back throughout the practice week. So hopefully he's good to go. He's phenomenal, right? Uh, last year, he was just an absolute missed tackle machine. He's he's crazy good. Waller, obviously, still crazy good. I, I was certainly somebody who was down on Waller a bit relative to last year's production coming into the season, just thinking, well, okay, they've added all these toys. Um, they invested all this draft capital in, you know, backs who can catch the football and, and young wide receivers. And surely... Waller is not going to is not going to double down on everything, every good thing he did in 2019. But it appears that is, in fact, going to be the case. He was he was really good from New England side of things. I mean, how how good was the the Seahawks Patriots game? Like my husband and I were like rewinding parts of it to like watch more watching <laughs> Julian Edelman, watching watching Cam Newton in a Patriots uniform. My, my husband, Joel, actually said he's like, yo, damn it. Like, I I, I don't want to root for the Patriots, but I really want to root for Cam Newton. And I was like, well, we're rooting for the Patriots because at the end of the day, this year means a whole lot more to Cam Newton than it does to Bill Belichick. Yeah. His legacy is sealed. Like, let's get it for Cam. And so it was awesome to watch. Now, obviously, even in this game, he is not going to throw the ball 44 times, right? We, we know that that's not going to happen. But the thing I also appreciated from the game against the Seahawks was watching these different receiving options start to emerge. We knew about Edelman. James White wasn't in this one. So, I, you know, obviously Edelman's opportunities in the passing game are going to dip a little bit once you have James White back. And when you're in a matchup that doesn't require Cam to throw the ball 44 times. But I did think the Patriots were able to find some balance. And I am interested to hear your thoughts on Demir Bird, who, you know, I don't think is the red zone presence that Nikhil Harry is, obviously, but did catch six for 72 in week two. Yeah, it, it's like that's going to require Cam to have this sort of extreme volume. And it feels like, first of all, I fully agree with you on Cam. He's It's like a joy to watch him healthy. Um, this has been really fun. And Scott and I were talking about it a bit earlier in the week about how this just this has the vibe of Cam's rookie season where you didn't know if you're going to get a 400 passing yard game or you're going to get like 65 rushing yards and two touchdowns or whatever. But it was fun. And it's the season has started that way. And hopefully he stays healthy and this keeps going. I'm going to lean, if I have to pick between Bird and Harry, it's going to be Nikhil Harry. He's one of the most heavily targeted players in the league right now. I mean, it's only two weeks, but he's seen 18 targets. That's been really good to see. Not necessarily a lot of highlight plays out of him so far. And he's not, obviously, he's not that security blanket that apparently Edelman is going to be for Cam, just as he was for for Brady. Like, what a... What a fun game for Edelman, too, who just looked like a, a boxer who'd been through 12 rounds or whatever. And I couldn't believe he kept getting up. But uh, but Harry's targets are 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 a thing. I think he I think he's coming off a dozen targets. So that's really, really good to see. And again, he's like the he's the closest they have on that team to a to a real red zone presence, as you say. Let's talk about our bears at the Falcons again. Our, our undefeated right. bears. I was just going to say the Falcons are also looking like a get right team, except Mitch don't need to get right because he's two and oh, believe it or not. I, I think, you know what? I, I am um, not necessarily about his game because that that's a whole that could be a whole other podcast. But a sneaky way that Trubisky is padding his stats, he has had, you know, multi touchdown games and back to back efforts, but he's also rushing. He has like. 40-some rushing yards so far, which is about, I think, top seven, top eight among quarterbacks right now. So I, I like to see that as well. Yeah, I, I thought 
Tank put it best on FFL when he just said, you can, you can go ahead and plug them into a lineup and just don't watch this. Um, because if you like, if you find yourself watching every snap of a Mitch Trubisky game, it's not like most of it isn't great. <laughs> um, he's played like, he's played like one really good quarter of football. Um, and it was against the, the Lions in week Lions, one. Right. And he's, <laughs> And he's been fine, a bit of a roller coaster and sometimes just outright bad the rest of the time. Like both of these games have ended with the opponent like you can't believe the opponent doesn't beat them in the final seconds. Right. Like they've both come down to um, situations in which they easily could have lost. But whatever. They're undefeated. I'll, I'll take whatever I can get in, in 2020. So that's exciting. But Mitch does have like that little bit of rushing upside that that makes him, you know, that kind of nudges him into like the top 16 in the QB ranks for me. Um, if there is an opponent that can lose a game unexpectedly, it's this Falcons <laughs> team. So where what are you doing with Anthony Miller, right? Who had such a great big week one, also was on the red zone channel because he caught the touchdown and then was much quieter in week two. I find him a little bit difficult to ma- to, to to rank every week because I love the player and I love the talent. And this is one that's hard for me to divorce opportunity and all of those other things away from him. But in this matchup, which you have to assume is going to be, you know, a ping pong match of sorts or as much of a ping pong match as the Bears can manage, Miller should see a, a solid amount of targets. He absolutely should see. Yeah. Um, played 26 snaps uh, last time out, which is not everything that you'd want to see from right. a guy that you're rolling out as a wide receiver three. But man, uh, Atlanta gives up over nine yards per pass attempt so far. They haven't stopped anything. Of course, like they 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 held Russell Wilson to like Wilson had like four incompletions in week one. Now, granted, <laughs> he's Russell Wilson and Mitch isn't going to do that. But but there's been no resistance from this defense whatsoever. I don't know that Miller is going to settle in as a big play specialist, but I'm starting to think of him as a bit of a big play specialist because it's really all the noise he's made this year. Um, those happen against Atlanta frequently. They happen like at the end of most drives against Atlanta so far. So, yeah, I, this is probably the game on like as you look down at the Bears schedule, this is probably the game in which Miller is most likely to score. So, yeah, I think I think he's a fine. Now, you know, take some take some guts to actually plug him into a lineup in in a league with like 12 teams or less. Right. So he's more of a maybe more of a, a fun sort of cheapish DFS play than he is somebody who, that's a must start. But, man, I mean, the Bears ought to be able to get to 27, 30 points in a game like this. We should mention also that Julio Jones did not practice on Wednesday. He's been a little bit dinged up since the season opened. Playing through it, though, um, it wasn't a great day for him last Sunday. Um, oh, you know, had the drop of the year so far, yeah. The, right, the Russell Gage drop um, that just really went through his fingers. And by the way, that he would have, you know, a hundred ninety out of a hundred times, he would have caught that ball. So yeah. I, I don't know though. When we're talking, obviously, when Julio Jones comes up. The talk about the red zone issues also comes up Um, at this point, considering also the injury and considering the weird red zone, whether you consider it fluky or not. Are you more interested in starting Calvin Ridley at this point than Julio Jones? Oh, sure. I've got Calvin Ridley uh, wide receiver six, seven, uh, something like that right now. Like I, I. a healthy Julio Jones would would be in that exact position. Um, but we, we know he's compromised in some way, like he's not practicing through Thursday, which is a concern. And we started to hear about it coming out of coming out of week two. So, yeah, that's a worry there. Like it's it's fun looking at. Uh, but, you know, both of them have uh, are among the leaders right now in average depth of target like that. That offense is just is just kind of fun. clearly they're going to be chasing points all year. But it's been really fun because they are just taking 
deep shot after deep shot with Ridley and Jones, which is which is a dream. It's like a total fantasy dream. And it leaves the middle of the field open for Gage, who's been great, who's seen 21 targets so far in the year. So it's just a fun offense. But yes, uh, I'm absolutely 100 percent more interested in Ridley right now. Healthier player who's who's really spiking. You are a judge on Fantasy Football Live. That is a character <laughs> that you play, Judge Andy Barons, and you earned the role. Uh, you earned that role because you are so fair and balanced and self-aware and honest. And so I'm going to ask you a question, and I'm going to ask you to put on your judge wig, if you if you will. Um, here's I the will. scenario. After not throwing for more than 270 yards in his first two seasons, Josh <laughs> Allen has thrown for 312 and 417 in his first two weeks. What say you, Judge Barons? Will you admit defeat? <laughs> Will you overturn your position on this matter? I w- just to revisit my position, my Do position has been... Do you dissent? This is a... I, like, I, certainly coming into the season, I would have said Josh and did say several times, Josh Allen is a bad real life quarterback and an amazing fantasy quarterback. Um, that is, it, he he's kind of that point where where fantasy and reality uh have broken down over the last couple years and he's been like obviously there's still the rushing element to his game that offense has been fun there i I don't have the percentage in front of me but they're in like four receiver sets all the time like it's a it it has a it has a collegiate vibe to it that i that i wasn't necessarily expecting coming into that year we've always seen him make great throws it's the i guess the difference for me um that the thing that was so exciting about Josh Allen in week two is I thought I thought week one, Josh Allen, while while he was really successful fantasy wise and we all ranked him that way because it was a, a layup matchup. You still saw the Josh Allen plays like he still put the ball on the ground a couple times. He had hilarious misfires throughout the game like he wasn't I mean, it wasn't accurate. It wasn't a good you wouldn't you wouldn't look at the tape of that quarterback and say that guy's taking me to the Super Bowl. But week two was better. Um, it was still again, it I don't want to lean too hard into the matchup thing, but they have been two easy matchups so far. It's just the Jets and Dolphins so far. Um, we're like we're going to learn a lot from Josh Allen facing the Rams. Um, this is a if it's not an elite defense, it's a competent defense with some elite playmakers. Um, they're going to get after him. Um, they've got they've got speed. They've got cover corners. So this is going to be it's going to be a great individual matchup for Diggs. We're going to learn a lot about Allen. Like if Allen is is seriously MVP contender, Josh Allen, we're, we have to see it here. And he can't, you know, he can't put the ball uh, at risk three times a game, which he's done throughout his entire pro career so far. Yeah, you, you're mentioning the, the corners, obviously, in Los Angeles with Harris and Ramsey. And Stephon Diggs has been a revelation. John Brown is looking good, too. He's got a little bit of a foot issue that he keeps, you know, dealing with. And when I hear John Brown and foot, I get a little bit more concerned. But Diggs has caught yeah. eight balls in back-to-back weeks um, for 239 yards and a score. He has looked incredible. I did not see this coming. I will fully own and admit. But... I like that this week, I like that he's seeing the Rams relatively early to the season so that we can gauge how much of the opener, the opening two weeks was matchup and how much is legit. Yeah, I agree with that. The 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 big L that I have to take here is on is on Stefan Diggs. I yeah, I, I wasn't entirely sure that he was going to be that much more valuable than John Brown coming into the season because there was a real connection between Brown and Allen last year. And I had a lot of reservations about the notion of Josh Allen supporting two receivers that we could comfortably start each week, but it certainly appears that's going to be the case. And Diggs has been great. When I mean, throughout his career, when Diggs is healthy, he's great. Health has been the the one sort of nagging issue. 
I'm putting Diggs in my top 20, just inside my top 20. Is that about where you would have him too? Yep. Yep. I think I actually have him at 19 or 20. Okay, great. Let's talk about the Rams backfield really quickly. Um, Cam Akers did not practice on Wednesday. He's got that rib issue. Malcolm Brown has a finger issue. He was held out of practice earlier in the week, but he is expected to play on Sunday. So how are you ranking Daryl Henderson, who in week two, just to remind everyone, had 12 carries, two of those in the red zone, uh, caught two balls for 121 total yards and one touchdown? I almost dismissed the possibility that McVeigh was being honest with us about um, having a rotation at running back, but it, <laughs> like, because McVeigh has lied for a couple of, whatever, it's his job as a coach. I, I don't believe everything that Sean McVeigh says. Nobody should believe everything that coaches say. It, it sure looks like they have a rotation at running back and whoever's rolling is going to get to roll, because um, that is definitely what happened in week one, and that is definitely what happened in week two. And Henderson looked great. Um, Brown had looked great the week before. We assume, given the injury to Brown, like, it's, it's not a small thing to have a you know a finger or a hand injury if you're a running back you've got to you can't go one-handed right you've got to hold off tacklers you've got to you know both hands on the ball and all that like it's a problem so I would assume that this is a uh, a dominant Henderson game it's not an ideal matchup Buffalo's defense is is really good they're really good at all levels the the one thing that teams have kind of got going against them is sort of a uh, the the intermediate passing game, sort of that over the middle, like Gasicki uh, went off a little bit against them. So this could be a Higby game, um, but they are Again. very good in the trenches. Again, yeah, um, they're very good in the trenches. Buffalo's like number three against the run right now. They're giving up like 75 rushing yards per week. Um, again, it's early, but we thought this was going to be a really good defense coming into the season. They are playing well, so probably is what it is. Like this is a really tough matchup for Henderson. So I don't love him, even though he's probably going to get 20 touches. I will flex him though. You know, like I'm, I'm yeah. going to flex him when I can. I think he's a, if you are desperate and a lot of people are given the injuries to the running back position, a low end RB2, but I feel more comfortable as like a high, a high end RB3 and flexing him out. And I would flex him, for example, over one of these wide receiver threes, right? If I'm looking at whether I should use Daryl Henderson, a potential committee with two banged up, let's say Akers even makes the field, like two other banged up running backs in a tough um, matchup. I think I'd still roll out Henderson ahead of, I'm trying to think of one of the like a Russell Gage or something like that. Yeah, I would also play him over every like all the big waiver wire finds this week. I'd play him over oh, all good those points. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think he's the one to go with. So Houston is now traveling to Pittsburgh. And my biggest question is what a B.O.B. do to these schedule makers? My goodness. <laughs> I, know, I know. I know. This is just a murderous schedule. This is terrible. Um, like they're going to they're probably going to start 0-3 and they certainly don't deserve to be 0-3. They're a better team than that. Um, this is just an abominable matchup. Um, I thought, of, you know, on, I, again, to to call back to FFL. Uh, we talked about Deshaun Watson as a player that you could reasonably sit last week facing the Ravens like he's in the same situation this week as Pittsburgh's defense is really good. They are so far giving up less than three yards per carry, nothing through the air. Like nobody can get anything going against Pittsburgh's defense. Um, they stonewalled Saquon Barkley in week one. Like they've just been great. Um, this is a really tough spot for for Watson. It's a very tough spot for David Johnson. I, I I would look I would look for options if I had David Johnson. Like David Johnson's going to require friendly matchups, and um, the run is going to have to be in play all day. And I, I don't know that that's going to be the case here against Pittsburgh. Also, David, what David Johnson does best is not running through the tackles. Like he's not a north yeah, south yeah. guy. He is a he is best when utilized in the passing game. Right. I'm not saying he can't do the other stuff, but that's not. That's not where he shines. And so 
it, this one is going to be incredibly difficult for him. I'm also really like perturbed about Will Fuller, right? Because we still don't have any answer as to whether or not I assume he was dealing with some hamstring issue, but a bagel is particularly concerning, especially after he drew all of the targets in week one and we know his injury history. And instead, it's Brandon Cooks who's seeing the volume. And I, I have searched and I cannot find anything definitive about well, Will Fuller's availability in week three. Uh, I believe he's not even on the injury report. Um, and, and he, he appeared to be dealing with an injury. Like, right. In this week is what two. I mean. Like, I, yeah. I mean, when Bill O'Brien was asked about it after the game, he was like, I don't know about that. He's like, well, he put up a zero and he was in and out of <laughs> the game. So right. yeah, he had one rushing attempt for n- nothing. So so I don't know what we're going to do here. I, I would not feel comfortable playing Fuller. And I, I should I'm say, because I, I have a total placeholder fantasy rank on him because at the start of the week, I was like, well, we're going to hear something on Will Fuller and then I'll figure it out. Um, and I think I've still got him parked at like wide receiver 36, which which was not even like it's not even intended to be any sort of direction for people. I have no idea what to do with Will Fuller. I'm I'm fairly confident that something was going on with him, that something is wrong. Um, and it's again, it's a it's just an awful matchup. So so Pittsburgh on the season, they're allowing only six point nine yards per pass attempt and two point nine yards per carry. Like they've stopped everything. They've stopped everything so far. The other side of the ball, Houston is uh getting gashed by the run they're giving up a ypc of 5.6 mm-hmm. again the matchups certainly haven't le- leaned in their favor but i think this is going to be like a big james connor benny snell in a little way effort like this is this to me Pittsburgh is, is going to handily win this game and you're going to see a lot of running from the steelers yeah another another l i have to take is on the idea that that benny snell might have wally pipped uh james connor because james connor played 50 snaps in week two uh, after after Benny Snell had that terrific performance on Monday night and Connor seemed to be injured 77 percent of the snaps. So he, he's clearly back in charge of that backfield. And he's he's obviously the one guy that they are comfortable um, throwing the ball to and handing the ball off to. Right. So but they they don't appear to be completely comfortable throwing the ball to Benny Snell. So obviously Connor a little bit more versatile. It's a great matchup. Tennessee at Minnesota. This is Derrick Henry versus who? anymore <laughs> like I don't, I don't know what minnesota is gonna do i Derek derrick henry I, I saw our friend brandon velasky post a, a gif on twitter of like a bulldozer just bulldozing things and he's like this is what derrick henry is gonna go do to minnesota and i was like that's perfect that is the perfect video representation of how i am imagining this matchup yeah minnesota has been terrible on both sides of the ball um they've they've been a brutal watch i i feel for our friend brandon velasky uh former director of fantasy football live like he loves his vikings and he's he's always too emotional about the vikings to even like sit with us and watch the game because he needed to yell and he needed to throw stuff and stomp around and and be a child again like we can all do when we watch our teams um uh, and like it's just a mess. Um, defensively, they're just a, a beaten, broken mess already. And and Derrick Henry should have his way with them, I- unless Ryan Tannehill chooses to have his way with them. Um, but they can they can beat the Vikings any way they want without AJ Brown. Are you touching Corey Davis in this one, or are you reserving those opportunities for Jonu Smith, who proved quite capable in Week Two? Yeah, well, uh, apparently Ryan Tannehill is going to without AJ Brown uh, in the in the on the active roster. Uh, apparently, Ryan Tannehill can spread the ball around and feed multiple um, starting quality fantasy receivers. I didn't really think that was going to be a thing. Uh, I like them both. I have 
Corey Davis as a as a wide receiver three, but I have Johnny as a really strong start. I mean, there's three touchdowns already for Johnny. Um, they like him in goal to go situations. They like him. They like him anywhere on the field. Actually, he's been he's been great so far. I agree with that. I, I like um I like Johnny as a very strong tight end start, and people are looking for tight ends. Can I can I just say I can't believe how bad Kirk Cousins' game was um last week. Like I I had just watched it like gone gone and done my like binge watching of of every week two game i can't believe how bad he was i can't i can't believe that at this stage of his career he's still he can still have that game it was it was startling uh over the past two weeks if people are looking for some numerical context to what andy is saying kirk cousins has recorded 30 completions over (laughs) the past two completions not attempts over the past two weeks Total. Nine of those, by the way. So like a third have gone to Adam Thielen. Great. Yeah, <laughs> you can you can o- you can only start like and even Thielen feels a little bit shaky, like he's going to get a zillion targets. But as bad as Cousins just was, I mean, we've seen Cousins obviously have disastrous games before and bounce back from it. I'm sure he will. Um, Thielen's probably fine. It was just it was it was jarringly bad. It was by far the worst quarterback performance of uh, of week two. Just want to say thanks again to our sponsor for this episode, Planters. When you want to satisfy a salty craving, Planters has you covered. Their deluxe mixed nuts are roasted to perfection and seasoned with sea salt, giving you the crunchy texture and enhanced flavor you crave. Stay satisfied with Planters Deluxe Mixed Nuts. Here's a fun team we can talk about, the Chargers. Team Doctor Drama. That was kind of that was kind of fun last week. Well, not fun, scary last week. Ho- hopefully, Tyrod's okay. Justin Herbert got the start in a in a horrendous matchup, a degree of difficulty matchup against Kansas City, and looked the part of an NFL starter. That was kind of exciting. He absolutely did. I think what and what made fantasy managers feel the best was how he peppered Austin Eckler uh, in the mm-hmm. passing game. I mean that man, he went up from one target Eckler. This is in week one to four. With Herbert at QB, um, I'm pretty sure Herbert is going to be the starter in week three. Anthony Lynn did say earlier in the week that Tyrod Taylor, the veteran quarterback, still gave the team the best chance of winning, and he was going to roll out the quarterback that gave the team the best chance of winning. But from everything else I'm reading, it seems as though uh, Justin Herbert's going to get this start versus Carolina. And I think it is a great way. You used this phrase earlier uh, in the season to talk about a different player, but it's a perfect way to ease Herbert in. I mean, if he faced the Chiefs and managed to manage the team, frankly, into overtime, even though they ultimately lost, like this is going to be great for him because the Carolina defense is, I mean, they're all the same age as him. It's fine. Yeah, (laughs) no, that's exactly right. Um, It's a it's an ideal matchup for him. Obviously, Carolina's a, a miserable defense. They were a miserable defense last year, got a little bit worse this year. Um, they're going to be a friendly matchup, a matchup that we pick on all year. Like it it throws Herbert into a, you know, I'm going to use the cop out and say certainly the Superflex discussion. Nobody sits any quarterback in Superflex, but he's a, you know, he playing a 16 team league. I, th- I think somebody in that league is thinking about starting Justin Herbert, and it's not a crazy idea against Carolina. I also am thinking about starting Joshua Kelly or using him in DFS because he's only $15. I'm sorry, he's only $18. He's a top 25 fantasy producer for two consecutive weeks. And he out-toted Austin Eckler by a margin of 23 to 16 in week uh, week two. So we know that he's going to be used in short yardage situations. His YPC is nothing special, right? But that's because he's being used in short yardage situations, which we like if he's yeah. being paired with Austin Eckler. It's like a 1A, 1B situation. And I also like that he did get involved in the passing game, 
Um, and you saw, you know, Kelly's not like a, he doesn't have a lot of burst. He's not what you'd call a fast player, but he is able, if given the space, to build up long speed. And you saw that in what I believe I believe was Justin Herbert's first completion of his pro career, which was a 35-yard gain after the catch that Kelly managed early-ish in the game. Yeah, he, it was it was arguably, arguably Kelly's best play. He looked great, 25 touches. Like, we knew there was going to be a role for somebody that was going to be meaningful outside of Austin Eckler. And we, we should also say, like, Eckler's touched the ball 20 times in each of their first two games. Like, his workload is not lacking. Um, we were worried about the receiving workload after week one. But just in terms of, of his volume, that doesn't seem to be in question. But Kelly is getting everything else. And, you know, it's a problem if you're an Eckler uh, investor. Um, Kelly is getting goal line work and, he, and he's pretty good at it. Like they obviously like him there. They they roll him out in short yardage situations all the time. Yeah, he, he's he's been a very impressive player. I did not expect him to step up in this manner. I was kind of I was kind of into Justin Jackson during draft season as like my my sort of final round before that's the your kicker Illinois um, love flyer at a Northwestern. That's your, <laughs> that's your Illinois allegiance right there. Maybe. I mean, he's been like a five yard per carry guy. I, I thought he had some moments in the past, but um, but Kelly's got that job and it's going to be a really ripe job for fantasy purposes, because it seems like that that offense is uh, is totally competent, even with Herbert, which is I, I don't know. That was, it was a really exciting week. It was a super fun game um, it, that ended with them punting in a fourth and one situation that was just crazy against Kansas City. Like nobody should ever do that. But until that moment, what a <laughs> what a joy of a game. And. The matchup is great for the running game here. Panthers giving up a YPC of 4.8 to opposing rushers. They've allowed six rushing scores so far on the season. Uh, Let's talk about the Carolina Panthers and rushing, though, but not, you know, the ability of the run defense, but instead the offense's ability to run because they are without run CMC, who's been officially placed on IR, expected out four to six weeks with a high ankle sprain. Mike Davis was one of these waiver wire, hot waiver wire ads. I'm sure you who handles that information wrote tomes about him and spoke volumes about him on video. Um, So I guess I'll leave it to you then. I I will say before I do that, I am elevating Curtis Samuel some here. I don't think this is going to be a one for one answer by any means. Yeah, for for sure it won't be. And I, I I don't like there's not much beyond Mike Davis, right? It's Trenton Cannon. Um, we, we've seen him struggle before and don't need to see it again. So it, it, it probably is going to be a lot of Mike Davis here. Obviously, he was very effective as a receiver in uh, in McCaffrey's absence last week. Eight catches on eight targets. That was great to see. Um, so he's going to catch the ball. There's a path here for him to get 16, 18 touches, which makes him relevant. The Chargers defense has been really good so far. Um, it's been very good. So this isn't like a layup matchup for him. And as you say, you got to imagine that we're going to see a little bit of Curtis Samuel in the backfield. Um, he can do it. Um, did it, obviously, as a collegiate player. They always try to give him two or three uh, carries in the past. So there's, there's got to be a little bit of that here. And he would get really fun in a hurry uh, yeah. if all of a sudden he's lining up in the backfield like Randall Cobb a few years ago. And Rule, we know, is, you know, out of Baylor, college coach. So I think he might try to install some of those yeah. college concepts. I don't know if you're going to see it, like, turn into fantasy production immediately. But I do think we might see some glimpses of interesting, fun ways they could use Curtis Samuel. What you said is perfect. It, that could get fun very, very quickly. Um, I don't think anybody who's a fan of the Jets is having any sort of fun <laughs> this season. No. Looking at, honestly, looking at the Jets at Indianapolis, I don't even want to 
do this matchup. I, the Colts are 11 and a half point favorites, according to BetMGM. 11 and a half point favorites is, well, I don't even know why the Jets are going to bother to hit the field. Uh, <laughs> and Andy, I don't know if you had any Mo Alley Cox takes, but you got to shelve those because Jack the Dad's back at practice. So there's nothing uh, exciting to talk about in this one. Yeah, that's just the worst because uh, Molly Cox was really fun. Um, get, like, when is the last time? I don't even know. When is the last time Jack Doyle has given us 100 receiving yards ever? Has it has it had? It's probably happened. Um, but he, obviously not an explosive playmaker. Molly Cox is an explosive playmaker, but we're probably going to see a, t- a ton of Doyle. It almost feels like a like I, I want to recommend Philip Rivers here, but it almost feels like a trap. Um, it's a Jonathan <laughs> Taylor game like it is all Jonathan yeah. Taylor. Yeah. And apparently no Naheem Hines. Like he was he was awfully exciting coming out of week one. Ton of snaps, basically split snaps with Taylor in the second half after the Mac injury. And then he played nine snaps in week two. Um, So he's clearly going to be game plan dependent. They're not going to need to throw the ball 50 times against the Jets in order to win this game. So Hines is is entirely out of the picture in this one. And and you're right. It's the Jonathan Taylor show. So let's move on to two quarterbacks who may very well flirt with 50 attempts apiece, and that's Dallas at Seattle. This is the game with the highest projected point total of the week. BetMGM has the over-under set at 56. I, in my dynasty league, have a a 14-team dynasty league, and I have both Dak Prescott and Russell Wilson. (laughs) Oh, wow. And every week, I need to trade one of them. Um, and I keep thinking it should be like Russell because he's older and, you know, the, the youth would lean on the side of Dak Prescott. And it's a it's a dynasty league, but I can't like bring myself to do it because every time I don't start Russell, he goes off. <laughs> and so, I, I mean, this to me, this is going to be an exciting you want a ping pong match. This should be it. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, everybody's excited for uh, Ravens and Chiefs, deservedly so. I get it. That's that's going to be a great matchup. I'm, I can't wait for this game. Um, this is going to be really fun because Russell just carved up a very good secondary, like mm-hmm. toyed with them, carved them up. My, I think my favorite small sample stat on the season so far is that the Seahawks are averaging 0.62 points per play that they run. That they So that's for every five plays they... Yeah, for every five plays they run, they get a field goal. Like, um, they're they're wow. that is utterly unstoppable. They are the most efficient offense in the game right now. Wilson is at a different level from from virtually. I mean, it's him, it's Mahomes, and it's probably nobody else at at that level of quarterbacking right now. He's been flawless, and, and Cam was super fun last week too. Yeah. Like, this is just this is just a really fun matchup. Um, Seattle's defense hasn't offered uh, so much resistance that you have to really worry about them uh, from the Cowboys side. Like this is this is just a start everybody game. Um, and I, I can't wait to watch it. I think. It's, and, and I also when you're saying start everybody, you know, there are a lot of Michael Gallup investors who've been worried because he's been if you're watching the games, then you know how valuable Gallup has been, right? He's yeah. been used yeah. in clutch situations when the pressure is high and the stakes are high. Dak Prescott believes in him, trusts him. He has been reliable. It's just not translating. I mean, last week he had like what that a 20 and a 38 yard play that were key and set up different scoring situations. So Prescott likes him. It just hasn't 
it hasn't bared out in terms of a stat line or in terms of fantasy production. But I think when you have a matchup with this much opportunity, you should see Gallup get into the mix. I have him forecasted for six grabs and just over 80 yards. And so I am hoping to me, this is an, a test game. I, I have a lot of exposure to Gallup. So I, this is a test game for me. If he doesn't get the opportunities here and remains like Dalton Schultz, CeeDee Lamb, and, and Amari Cooper, then maybe I'm a little bit concerned. But I, looking at the real football, that just doesn't seem to make sense. Yeah, I, I may end up later in the season just the old man rattling his cane about Michael Gallup. But um, <laughs> I, like if you if you give him the 40-some yards that he should have had on the on – the, uh, the flop offensive pass interference penalty uh, that, yeah, that Ramsey right. drew in week one. Yeah, like all of a sudden the stats look fine. Like all of a sudden that's a 90-yard game and he made a huge clutch catch and and we're not all that worried about Michael Gallup. And so we're still there. And this is, again, this is a game where it w- wouldn't be at all surprising if this thing ended, I don't know, 37-35, 37-34, or whatever. Like there's plenty of room for Michael Gallup to make noise here. All right, let's talk about Detroit at Arizona. The biggest headline Oh, is the Kenny Galladay down that is oh my gosh <laughs> I tried to just go real fast I just was like <laughs> if I say it fast enough we won't feel the letdown okay but you uh. mentioned it so but there is a bright spot <laughs> and that is Kenny Galladay and he is back and for my matchup fiends he is facing Patrick Peterson which I'm not particularly worried about because Peterson got it handed to him by McLaurin yeah. for over 120 yards and a touch. So I'm not I'm not too worried about Kenny G shaking off some rust in this one. Yeah, this was also the uh, the TJ Hawkinson game last year, right? Like first game of his pro Ugh. career and he, and he absolutely blows up. And back when we didn't realize that every tight end was going to blow up against Arizona in 2019, um, had a huge game for them. Hopefully, Kenny Galladay unlocks some things for the Lions offense because I was pretty excited about like low level fantasy excited about Stafford coming into the season because he'd been on such a torrid pace um, before the injury last year. He would have been a 5000 yard quarterback, would have challenged, you know, 38, 40 touchdowns last year the way things were going, but uh, obviously only played half the year. So if we can get back to some version of that offense, that would be great. Um, that would that would maybe unlock DeAndre Swift. It would unlock some of the other pieces of Detroit's offense that might be interesting to people. Other side of this game, like Kyler Murray's a star. Wow, that was a game. And DeAndre Hopkins remains untouchable, remains the yeah. elite wide receiver that you always believed him to be. I'm going to ask you a question in this one over under 100 yards again for DeAndre Hopkins. Oh, gosh, it's... Uh... Yeah, over. I'll take the over. Um, like it looks like he's just going to get thirteen targets a week. That's about the. It's about the pace he's on. Um, he's utterly unstoppable. I don't. I, you know, a super banged up Lions secondary. I don't. I don't. I don't really see anybody that's going to limit him. Christian Kirk also a little bit banged up in this for anyone who's in a deeper league and thinking about him. Just keep an eye on the injury report for Kirk. Tampa at Denver. Uh, so Denver's got uh, Brett, our producer, might want to close his ears for this one. Well, don't because it's your job But um, <laughs> to not close your ears. But Denver, no Drew Locke, no Cortland Sutton, no Philip Lindsay. Meanwhile, uh, Tampa Bay is uh, they're, they're, they're TBing, right? Like Tom had very little to say after the week two win. There's some weirdness between he and Arians coming out of the opener. And they get another uh, uh, another unfair matchup, especially when you fold in the injuries. 
Yeah, um, man, the injury situation both for Denver and San Francisco is just sort of shocking. Like the the star power that they not the not even the number of injuries, but like the star power that they've lost. Like you feel terrible for for uh, Denver and, and their fans, but this should be a matchup that that Brady and the Bucks should be able to exploit because they've got. They, they finally got Godwin and Evans both healthy in the same game in this one. Godwin back from the concussion, Evans over the hamstring thing. He had the blow-up game that everybody expected last week. Um, maybe a changing of the guard at running back. Maybe it's the Leonard Fournette show. Like, Ronald Jones was already not playing a whole lot of snaps, but he was touching the ball every time he was on the field. Um, and then he... Uh, he, he he was saddled with the blame for the for the fumble uh, on the exchange with Brady, and then we never saw him again. He might be exiled to you know wh- whatever he, island running backs go to when they fumble. Bro was in the woodshed for sure, escorted by yeah. one of TB's trainers, I suppose. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I agree with you. That if if the fumble had not have occurred, I would say maybe we didn't have the clarity moving forward that maybe this would be a rotation or a hot hit. No, 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 no. With the fumble, I feel pretty confident that this is a Leonard Fournette game. And even though the Denver defense is good and they added Jarrell Casey to the, to the um, run defense, I just have to imagine that they're going to be so gassed that even Leonard Fournette is going to be able... I mean, he scored two touchdowns against the yeah. Panthers last week. Even Leonard Fournette is going to find the end zone. Again, d- this is an LF game, which just means that it will not be, but because we're so confident about it being. But I, I don't imagine that the Denver defense will be able to stay fresh enough to defend even Leonard Fournette. Yeah, I like. I'd want to make a case for Jerry Judy, but he's playing through an injury right now. Yeah. I would want to make a case for Melvin Gordon as somehow exciting, but Tampa Bay's run defense has been really good. Um, I think they're number four in the league, giving up two point nine yards per carry. So there's n- there's not a whole lot on the Denver side that I'm that I'm terribly. I think Fant in. is still okay, right? Like he's got yeah, like right. Fant's production should not be that hit by Jeff Driscoll under center. Um, so I, I think if you have Fant, like maybe you downgrade him a little bit and look for uh, a ceiling play elsewhere at your flex position or something to achieve roster balance. But I'm still starting Noah Fant if I've if I have him. All right, let's talk about the Sunday night game. We've got Aaron Rodgers at Drew Brees. Um, Ooh, he's, a, no... he's a topic unto himself. <laughs> I mean, you don't want me to start on Drew Brees. You know, I have a, a bunch of Brees <laughs> takes that. No Devontae Adams, maybe, and no Michael Thomas. So, I, it, by the way, when when I hear, like, no Devontae Adams, maybe, again, we're not quite sure, um, but definitely no Michael Thomas, and I'm thinking, like, oh, it's going to be Aaron, like, a defensive battle, and then offensively the running backs going head-to-head. This is the kind of football that these two teams want to play, even if their quarterbacks don't want to play it that way. Yeah, Breeze right now through two games, his uh, his average depth of target uh, is like five yards. It's at the it's at the absolute bottom of the league. Um, he had a 300 yard game, but almost all of that was Alvin Kamara after the catch. Uh, it was all after the catch set. Like he's just not pushing the ball downfield at all. And it's not you know it's not like Breeze. Breeze two years ago was interesting because almost everything was a short throw, except when he when he went deep, um, it was always a splash play led the led the NFL in uh, passer rating on deep balls like he was actually great at it. They just didn't do it a lot. Now they're just now they're just flat out not doing it. And that that might be a Michael Thomas thing. Obviously, you take away a 
transcendent player from any offense, it's going to hurt. Um, and, and they don't have, you know, there's not a lot of guys like Michael Thomas around the league. It's like DeAndre Thomas, uh, DeAndre Hopkins. It's Thomas. It's almost nobody else, right? There's just not a lot of, not a lot of that dude. So it's a huge loss. I did not expect Breeze to look as poor as he did. Um, he he missed some layups. He missed some some just things that Drew Brees for 20 years has been, has been hitting, um, short intermediate throws and uh, you know, whatever he's, he's an all time talent. So maybe he bounces back just fine. He'll be at home. That's good. But the loss of Thomas just seems critical to him. So I don't, you know, he's certainly, he's certainly not a, a, a top 12 QB for me. You can't be overly confident in him. You can play Traquan. You can play, obviously you're playing Alvin Kamara. Um, but, but I, my confidence in Brees is certainly shaken. I will say I'm going to give a little bit. Well, also the defense didn't look good. Like that whole team struggled. They looked like they got Malcolm Jenkins was struggling, struggling. Marshawn Lattimore was struggling. I mean, Brian Edwards got after Marshawn uh, Lattimore a couple of times. And I appreciated that from like a pure football standpoint. But I, when I look at, okay, so if Devontae Adams is out, like which of these Green Bay receivers could step up? And we might have a situation where like, there just isn't an answer that neither of these two between MVS or Alan Lazard or somebody else like on the longer roster, my equinemius St. Brown takes have like died long ago, um, <laughs> especially this season he's on IR, I believe. Um, but it may it may remain like a matchup based situation for both Aaron Rodgers and fantasy managers. But in this one. I am going to give the edge to Lazard because I believe he is taking the majority of his snaps, 96, I believe, out of the slot, which would mean P.J. Williams, right? And we talked about P.J. Williams and Darren Waller a little bit earlier. Marshawn Lattimore had a bad game. We know and we know that he is an excellent cornerback, though, right? Like, I think he he shakes that. I think everyone has a bad game in that hole. There was some bad juju going on for the New Orleans Saints on Monday night. But I think MVS moves outside. The thought is, oh, this should be a high-scoring game. I don't know if that's actually going to bear out, but this should be a high-scoring game. MVS will get peppered. I don't think that that I would not feel comfortable uh, rolling with that. I think I would prefer to play Lazard because I think he has the better matchup. And even though he's not seeing the targets, he is on the he's running more routes than MVS, and he's seeing way more snaps. He's seeing more snaps than Devontae Adams, but that's because Adams like wasn't on the field last week. Yeah. that's my I mean, is that is that crazy? That does seem to be anti consensus. No, I, I ranked both of these guys like a coward. I have <laughs> I have both of them like one of them's going to finish inside uh, the top oh. 36. I I ranked him. I ranked them both just outside the top 40. I've got Lazard a couple of spots ahead. Um, I, I like that. I mean, MVS it feels like for the full season is just going to be one of these cases where like if he happens to hit on a splash play, which can happen more often than not with Aaron Rodgers, then you're going to have a great week. And when it's not there, you're gonna have a 30 yard week. I, I feel like there's going to be a lot of that. So uh, this matchup slight edge to Lazard. I think Aaron Jones is probably the second best receiver on that team. And we're probably going to see another big Aaron Jones week. New era football comes to life in Kansas City at Baltimore on Monday night. I mean, this this is it. This is next gen star rising. Yeah. The future is here matchup. I don't know. I, I uh, this I know that one of the Mad Bets questions this week, and I'll pose it to you too. Who scores more touchdowns, Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson? Oh gosh. Um I'll, I'll go Lamar. I guess me I'll too. go Lamar. And and the analysis is, at least for me, tell me if you are in the same boat. We saw that, you know, I, th- I thought Gus Bradley did a really good job um, scheming against 
Patrick Mahomes. And when he got the pressure, he got a little bit flustered and maybe he wasn't taking the game against the Chargers this year. Who knows? I'm not in his head. I'm not going to try to like play that game. But we know that the Ravens can bring pressure. And if that does, in fact, rattle Mahomes, then that's an interesting thing. And also, Lamar is fresh because he didn't have to do a whole lot to beat (laughs) the Texans handily. This game's at Baltimore. He doesn't have to travel. And so I think he has a slight advantage here. Yeah, Baltimore's defense is uh, a different thing entirely from Kansas City's, right? Like Casey is allowing, I think last year they gave up five yards per carry on the ground. They're almost agnostic to like rushing yards against them. Um, they're giving up about four and a half this year and they, they haven't been good against the pass either. Like, they, you know, Herbert had a pretty good game against them on the season. They're allowing almost nine yards per attempt. You, you never bet against a big game for Patrick Mahomes. Like his worst games have still been, you know, 300 yard multi-touchdown efforts. So I'm not going to bet against a bad game from him but uh this this suits Lamar really well no matter what he decides to do um it pretty easy to imagine him rushing for 80 yards in this one passing for 320 um it, I don't even know if this game can possibly meet our expectations because everybody's super excited about it people I know who are not who, are, who I'm not even aware of as like NFL fans have have already asked me about this game so um this is really fun that's good no pressure guys all right Let's, um, looking ahead to Sunday, I think we should make some nutty predictions. Thanks to planters. Andy, what is your nuttiest prediction for Sunday's game? I am going to give you, I'm going to, I'm trying to will this to happen. That's a little part of this. Um, I'm going to give you Carson Wentz as a top five quarterback. I think Cincinnati's defense is that bad, that generous. Um, and, and I think his weapon should be that good. I think he can, I think he can run one in. I think he can throw for three. I think he can give us like a 30 point week. I think it can happen. If it doesn't happen, we have huge problems with the Philadelphia oh, offense. I'm like schwitzing a little bit because I, I don't have <laughs> the onion or the, the nuts. I'm not that nutty, I guess, to do it. No, I don't have the nuts to do it. At all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so now I'm really schwitzing. Like now it's happening for real. Um, okay. <laughs> so. My nutty prediction is that you teased it a little bit. Drew Sample scores the sixth touchdown of his post high school career. <laughs> he only scored five in college <laughs> on Sunday. Um, listen, you've got CJ Uzuma who has uh, an Achilles and obviously sadly done for the year. That means that Drew Sample is going to work the underneath for Joe Burrow. We saw him flash unexpected athletic ability with a one-handed catch last Thursday night. I don't know where that came out of, but it happened. He was second in team targets behind only A.J. Green. And you've got this Eagles defense. I don't even think you can say they've struggled to contain the middle of the field It's been a bloodbath over the middle of the field. I mean, they gave up a score to Logan Thomas in week one and then three to Tyler Higby, who's going to score again in week three. So um, they gave up three to Tyler Higby in week two. So if you are looking for a stream, this is it. Ten dollars in Yahoo DFS. Yeah, that's a good call. I have I, I have no complaints about that call whatsoever. Um, got a lot of separation last week. Looked really good. And Burrow was looking for him, too. Well, those are our nutty predictions. What can you say? We're a little bit nuts. Thanks again to Planters. And we remind you at home or wherever you are, stay satisfied with Planters. All right. 
Join Andy and I this Sunday, 90 minutes before kickoff, wherever you are in our all-new virtual studio on Fantasy Football Live. Andy, you're working on waiver wires. The judge is back this week. Anything else for FFL that you want to tease that you're dishing up? No, I'm, I'm ready to judge. Uh, the show has been fun so far. I didn't I didn't know what it would feel like with all of us sort of in our separate little studios, but it's it's been a blast. Yeah, and we all know that like Tank and I are facing off. We have a little fantasy face off on a couple of different players. And I am thinking about bringing popcorn to my own segment just so I can watch him eviscerate me. <laughs> I do actually have a I have a face off with Matt Harmon about two of his like they're both his pet receivers and oh. I can't wait to hear him have to argue against someone that I know for a fact he absolutely loves this week. Oh, well, that'll be interesting. Everybody be sure to tune in to Fantasy Football Live 90 minutes before kickoff on Sunday. We'll help you with uh, your rosters and you can always tweet at us using the Ask FFL hashtag if you have any lineup questions. All right, podcast. We have lots of podcasts at Yahoo Sports. Check out the Yahoo Sports NFL podcast with Charles Robinson and Therese Paler and the Yahoo Sports College podcast with Dan Wetzel, Pete Thamel, and our friend Pat Forty. Follow us on Twitter at Yahoo Fantasy. I'm at Liz Loza underscore FF and that is at Andy Barons. One more thanks to Planters. Week three is happening, y'all. Matt and I will recap it for you first thing on Monday morning. But for right now, we're out.